premise for today was to kind of discuss two words, endurance and mindset, because I think they kind of meld in quite nicely. Marcus, you obviously enjoy your longer ultra efforts uh, and some long distance cycling, but you've also had the, the pleasure of going into some dark spaces previously with CrossFit and what have you. Um, Kev, you come from a special forces background, so there's a lot of mindset there. Um, with your work with the Roosters, there's a different kind of endurance over the course of a rugby season, perhaps, uh, and looking at seasons going ahead. And Paul, you obviously coach people to do endurance efforts. Some of your more favoured workouts are longer um, and cause a lot of introspection and thought and mindset during those workouts. So it just thought it'd be interesting to kind of pull those things together and see where we go and kind of go from there. There's no real other script except for those two words. I'm sure Sean and I might act a bit like moderators at all at times because we know the conversation can run long with the three of you. And that's a compliment, nothing else. <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> fucking hell. <laughs> but there's, I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot that can be covered in here. So I, I think, yeah, that's, um, yeah. everybody wants to fire away. Um, what comes first, perhaps, an endurance or mindset or, yeah, wherever. Well, if you really enjoy, if you really enjoy doing it, is it endurance? Like, if that's your comfort zone, if that's your comfort space, is going long and hard, is it really endurance? Or so is you, that just you? Just is that just you doing more? I don't even know why. I feel like I've just attacked Marcus there for no reason. Um, but it is relative. <laughs> <laughs> but no, there is. I was just thinking. Yeah. So what came to mind was an athlete that I've been working with who she's always like, "Oh, can can we go long? Can we do this? Can we do that? You know, can we just? I want to do a four-hour effort today." And you know, I think it's actually like I think sometimes those endurance efforts can actually be uh, people trying to take themselves away from the the real endurance effort for them, which is sitting still maybe with their thoughts, maybe on their own. So I think endurance is a really interesting word because we use it to describe often in training, you know, like a long aerobic efforts. But, you know, the aerobic efforts are, there's, there is elements to them that are incredible endurance. And what Marcus does is, is sick. Like, I want to go out there and do that. But, um, you know, I, I was just thinking that, like, endurance is a really tricky word because some people, like, need to sit still for 15 minutes. And then you'll find them in tears because they've had to deal or face with their own lives and the things that they've been running from. That's painful. So yeah, it's 8.30 yeah, a.m. It's 8.30 a.m. here. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm with you a lot on that, Paul. I think the word endurance is obviously getting a lot more airtime these days, but the definition is almost like the definition of pain. It's very subjective and has to be defined by the individual because you know i i uh, when i started doing crossfit and people say we're gonna do some endurance and it's the 40 minute workout i'm like are you fucking joking like 40 <laughs> yeah. minutes like like that's you know and then and then obviously back in the day i would call them pathetic now i've probably got a bit more respect for myself and and for them because for that person like you rightly said mate and it's something it's something very similar to to what I'm working on at the moment with, with 
one of the people that I mentor is like, I just want you to find anywhere between one to 15 minutes in your day and be absolute distraction free, tech free, and just be in solitude. And they yeah. can't do it. You yeah. know? So the definition of endurance is, I think, where, where people need to start. But at the same time, what you define as endurance today, I hope would not be the same as it probably won't be the same as what you would define as endurance in 12 months if you are on a journey of endurance, which is there's a lot of use of endurance there. I'll shut up. Kev, you go. <laughs> no, I think that's it's quite interesting. I, I, I agree with, with both. I think uh, it's it's contextual, isn't it? It's like what what you believe or what you where your plateau is in terms of pain and suffering is where you believe you can sit. Now, if you've hit a you know uh, a multi day event or a multi you know week events or something where you've pushed past those limits, uh, then an hour an hour worth of a workout or four hours worth of workout or even a day in context to that suffering you've previously had is isn't that much? You know, you've got something to draw on. Um, and I think there too is, you know, if you, all you've ever done is like, you know, is a, is a 20 minute CrossFit wad, then 40 minutes of that type of effort and pain and intensity is also that's, that could be endurance. It depends, you know, mm-hmm. and we look at the classical definition, you know, if we're looking at energy systems and as soon as you hit some sort of aerobic power, aerobic capacity type of, you know, work, then that, that can be, you know, that's a definition by itself. Um, yeah. And I, I but, think like, with the, sorry. No, no, keep going. Yeah, no, no. I was saying with the with the endurance stuff as well. I mean, you do get like lactic endurance. You get it's the isn't it? It's um, pushing to the brink and then learning to push a bit further through it. And so whether that's mm. short, super hard intensity, you know, and whether then fifteen second sprints become twenty five second sprints, that can be an endurance effort in itself, given the level of pain or tolerance or suffering you need to go through in that in that moment is very different. And you see it with Murph. Everyone's done Murph this weekend, which is, you know, fair play to everyone getting involved in that. I also see a lot of people, there is the ones giving it some, there's some of them that are enduring. And then there's some of them that put a vest on and went slow. And I was like, yeah, you didn't endure anything there. You didn't really, you didn't get to the brink. <laughs> yeah. You didn't get to the brink and you didn't push through anything. Then it's like, yay, little honor pause at the end of it to say thanks to everyone. And it's like, yeah, you went slow. I never saw you, I never saw you give it any. And endurance, endurance is that, I guess, endurance of the mind, spirit and physical is the point in which you should probably feel like you would normally stop and then being able to go beyond that a little bit further. Yeah, I think it crosses over with, you know, we're looking at intensity as well as a definition of like, in you know, time being a factor in terms of endurance. But then, like you were saying, Paul, uh, intensity of that time it also makes the suffering a whole lot more. You know, it's um, you can you can do something for sixty minutes and enjoy it, and you can do something for eight minutes and and you know just uh, want it to be all over. Um, so intensity is definitely a factor there. Um, and I think the unknown plays a huge part in that, in that mental endurance, like not knowing when it's going to stop, not knowing what's coming next, not knowing whether or not, uh, you know, you have the ability to get through it, um, is something that, uh, you know, plagues on a lot of people as well. Like, I, I like that idea. I think, you know, if we're looking at a sport per se, I think cycling, I think the Tour de France, you know, comes to mind for endurance. 
Um, you know, I think that by itself, and I reckon throw all the drugs at them. I think that's awesome. Let them fucking do what they want to do there. <laughs> um, because, you know, that, that to me in terms of physiology um, is, is insane. I, I, like I love that event. You know, that to me is, has got to be one of the most, you know, uh, interesting endurance events that we've still got. Because you've read some, you, you've written some of those those, um, those stages, haven't you? Mm, yeah, they're hard, <laughs> and I think I think it sort of plays into to a little bit about what 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 both of you have said there. I, I kind of agree. Like this thing, and this and this is why, it's obviously, Paul, you've chosen those words like mindset and endurance because endurance. I actually got a lot of our clients and, and a lot of our coaches to, to define it because we have this goal of being the best endurance team in the world. And I was like, well, fuck, we better know what endurance actually is to start with before we go chasing to be the best. So we don't even know what it is. And we got to the, you know, and everyone comes with their, with their own definition. But for me, it plays the same. And it's this ability to keep going when you think you can't. And, you know, when you look at, you, you, I mean, mate. One, one of the one of the most famous climbs on the Tour de France is up uh, up the west, up the hairpin bends. And I did a race there in 2016, and that was I got there about seven and a half hours into that race. Now, I knew that I could reach the top, but I knew that it would take a lot. So it kind of, and that's where my, you know, so was that an endurance event or not, by the way that I define it, you could, you could argue either way, but yeah, those, I, I agree with Kev, like the, the, I've always been hooked on the Tour de France since I was a kid, because it is just for anyone who looks at the human body is curious about the human body and mind. It's just fucking mind blowing that for three weeks, you are, and I mean, we, we were actually, I was just out for coffee with some guys now, the, the Giro, Giro d'Italia, so Italian version of the Tour de France has just finished. And they have the, which I fucking hate, the whoop score, strain and heart rate on the screen. And, you know, these guys, like, it, a simple example is a guy's broken clear, there's 10K to go, which is going to take anywhere around 20 minutes. And, you know, he's at like 185, 190 heart rate. And you're like, how is this actually going to hang on or not? So they're in insane states, both physically and mentally. And, and I think that's probably why, you know, I'm, I'm sort of with you, Kev. I had this discussion yesterday with Holly, my wife. We're like, fuck it. Like, throw all this shit at them and let's see what happens. Because mm. everyone's on the same, you know, I, guys, be clear. Yeah. I don't think uh, performance enhancing drugs are a good thing, but I think they're a reality of the world. And I think if we don't, admit that they're there we're we're also a little bit stupid especially for those of us that work in this space they are there and people will use them because humans cheat that's the way they do it but yeah it's a it's a hell of an event and i always come back i think the like the hardest endurance real test is is something like tour de france because it's just it's mental mm. yeah no, sorry. I was I was actually going to say just touching on the the performance enhancing drugs thing, and I, I I can't remember which conversation we've talked about before because I think we did have a little chat maybe with you, Marcus, or maybe with you, Kev, because we did talk to the France and talk about EPO and blood doping and that side of things. Does that devalue the endurance? 
Or does it just oh, allow oh, no. to push a bit further than they ordinarily would oh. and still have the same kind of effort? Hmm. I don't think so. I don't think it devalues it. Like, you know, and I look at something like Lance Armstrong, you're, you're never going to have a guy like that. You know, if everyone was clean, he would still win, you know, and injecting himself with tests or whatever else he did didn't make him a better cyclist. It didn't give him the mindset to be able to go and, uh, and do those nasty things he did on the bike. I mean, he already had that mindset. I think he had that suffering in him. He was just willing to do anything and everything it, it took to get there. Um, and I think Louis Simmons had a really good quote once, is that uh, he used to say that this, the, the weakest guys in the gym took the most drugs. Um, you know, and I think that's a play on like you can't, you, you know, you can inject everything you want, you can take everything you want, but if you're not willing to put the work in, the you know, the 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 peds or whatever else it is that doesn't do the work for you, you still need to be able to chase after it. I think what it does is, you know, you know, like we all sort of know, it just gives you that ability to recover and then go after it again the next day and go after it again the next day. So you get more training days in. And if you're willing to put the intensity and the effort in, I think it's a very small part. I don't think, you know, and I think the layman out there thinks that, you know, uh, they go from sitting on the couch having a pie, they inject a bit of tests or take some EPO, and the next thing you know, they're, you know, like second or third in the Tour de France. You know, that's obviously not the case. Um, I mean, I mean Lance, Lance, Lance Armstrong didn't just endure that, though, either, did he? I mean, and I'm not saying he's a yeah. great guy, and I'm definitely not on the drug side, but. You know, I mean, there was times he fell off the bike and he picked it up and he ran with it. There was times, I mean, he had a 4% chance of surviving from all of that cancer and that kind of got swept under the carpet just because of this pursuit of trying to demonize him. I mean, the guy's yeah. a beacon for a lot of things. I mean, 4% chance and had the what they thought was one of the most aggressive doses of chemotherapy you could ever give anybody. And the dude shriveled up into nothing. I mean, the only reason he was a really good cyclist is because he used to be a track and field or American football kind of, uh, at college level and the chemo and he was too big and too bulky to be a really good cyclist and the chemotherapy stripped everything away from him that mm. to the point he was basically starting off again a fresh human who was just skeletal who could barely cycle 100 meters and he came back and became the greatest cyclist of all time but how much and- of mindset with him so this is perhaps where the two feed into him because he was a, he was a, he was a character it was hard-nosed. Yeah. He had a massive chip on his shoulder. He had a daddy complex, if I remember rightly. And he was uh, two fingers up to everybody. Fuck them. I'm going to do what I want to do. And perhaps it was that it was the mindset that drove everything else for him. Yes, the, the physiology helped in terms of stripping down to that, that mm. sheer waif of a man afterwards. Do you remember when he fell off? Where like he was climbing a mountain. It was um, he was with one of the the Spanish riders, and he someone's bag got hooked on his handlebars, and he went off. Um, and I don't know what it was. Maybe it was. Um, yeah, I, I can't remember. But he 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 fell off, and then he got back on his bike, and he had cuts and shit all over him, and his facial expression looked like you know it was time to murder someone, which yeah. you know I. I I can fully appreciate it. I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed that. I think that's great. Like I, I, or we had the saying, or we had a saying at work and it was above the kill house and it was um, anything worth fighting for is 
for worth fighting dirty for, which means it, it doesn't matter what <laughs> needs to be done. You need to like it. You need to win. Like it's it's about winning. Um, I have no no issue at all with the way Armstrong acted, apart from being a bit of a bully and a dick. But you know, if he's willing to do that to get where he wants to go, and I, I can see so many comparisons and so many like similar personality traits between him and Jordan. You watch that The Last Dance. I mean. Fuck it. it would have been hard to be on Jordan's team, but what he wanted was to was to win, and that's it. Like I, so I I I look at those things in uh, I guess a category of like you know I respect the fact that he's got a single mind of just win, win at all costs, um, and then he's paying the price for whatever he did. And again, like I, I agree, I, I don't think you know uh, performance enhancing drugs is the way to go. Um, but I think in cycling, it's one of those things where, you know, the, the clean tour, uh, I think the year after they had the clean tour was the fastest, uh, tour de France to that point. Um, and I think the same with Jordan. Jordan was just about like, Hey, I'm going to win. If you want to win, jump on the back of my cape. Uh, and if you don't go get the fuck out of the way. Um, Mm. and I can fully respect that. And I think those guys showed that showed that winning at all costs and the I think that mental endurance of just to push everything to the side, I think that's impressive. Yeah, I think we demonize people's values a lot, especially in the current climate. I've been thinking about this talk of the poll about this a lot. It's like we demonize everyone's values that were different than us, but to be exceptional exceptional, you have to be have a different mindset to everyone around you. Everyone, hmm. which means you aren't going to fit in, you aren't going to adhere to what they seem to be appropriate all of the time. And that's what it takes to be an outlier in anything, whether it's science, whether it's medicine, whether it's technology, whether it's sport, like you've got to be somebody different. And, you know, we spend a lot of time demonizing them, you know, insulting people on Instagram because they don't, don't adhere to our version of what we think value should be. But if everyone adhered to those values, everyone would be the same and no one would be an outlier. No one would be breaking these records getting through these endurance events, getting through the endurance that is life, which was sickness that he went through and everything else. And it means being a different person. And, you know, of course they're the enemy. If you either they're doing what you wish you were doing or you're in their fucking way and they're, Mm. they're a fucking hurricane coming through and whoever's in their way is get, is getting taken out because they're focused on one thing and one thing only. Mm. One, uh, a good friend of mine used to ride for Armstrong and, uh, we spent a lot of time riding together as well. And when I, when I wasn't completely fucked, I, I would just drill him with questions about, you know, what it was like to, to ride for him and what made almost what Paul's question was there, like what, what made the difference. And, and it is exactly what you guys have been saying. Like he wanted to win and, and, and like Kev said, like Jordan, you can watch Jordan's last dance and think, what a dickhead, you know? Or you can watch it and go, he was just so focused. And if you're not on his bus, then... And, and he was... Armstrong was clear about it as well. Like, Yanni was telling me, you know, one day they'd go up a climb and, and, and Yanni would beat him sometimes in training. Like, training was like racing for them, you know? And, and, and Yanni got him on it, on it on, and he wouldn't speak to him for three days. You know, like you're on a team training week and, you know, it's like, but it, Yanni was telling me, it's like, it's not because he hates me. He's, and, and Lance actually still talks about Yanni on, on his podcast quite a bit. And, and, uh, and, uh, 
a crazy story about a Mustang that Yanni shipped back to Slovakia and all this kind of stuff, and <laughs> which is quite amusing in itself. But he's like, it wasn't because he hated me for what I did. He just hated losing so much that he'd, he would spend the next two or three days in this zone of like, why did I lose? And how am I going to, how am I going to rectify that? Because he wanted to win so badly. And, and of course, along, like you said, Paul, along the way, there's people, you know, people will sort of fall by the wayside, but that doesn't, that doesn't make either of these guys that we're talking about bad people. It makes them in my, like some of the shit that we heard about Armstrong when it all came out. Yeah. I mean, it's very subjective and it's how the media put it out, but you know, to go from what they went from to what people have to like, it's just because the people around them don't want to work that hard and don't want it as much as they do. And that exposes people. And I think we see it a lot, don't we? Like when, when people will come and I'll hear some people in our community, you know, you know, I've run 10 K I want to, I want to run an ultra and people will be like, why do you want to do that? And all it is, and you guys know better than any, but for the, for some of the listeners that maybe don't know, it's just those people around them know that they can't do it. So they don't want that person to, because they want that person to stay within their own, within that comfort zone. And they'll say, no, you, you don't really need to do that. And I've seen it. People have gone, fuck off. I'm going to go and do it. And they're no longer friends. And that's fine as well. Yeah, because if you go do it, then you, yeah. break, you break their beliefs. You break their beliefs that it can't be done. And then the only thing that's like holding them back is themselves. They've got to then take ownership of, oh shit, somebody else went and did this thing that I didn't think was possible. Now, yeah. now everything I've said, all my excuses have gone. And yeah. actually... And you've got to live with that. It completely disrupts who you are in your network. And yeah. that's, that's hard for people, right? Because you're, then you're, the dynamic of your tribe just altered because somebody did mm. something that you thought wasn't possible. Your beliefs were changed. And that's crushing for some people. Yeah, 100%. Definitely. I think it's interesting as well. When we look at you know, how we judge judge people in terms of their, you know, like what, what they're, you know, who they are as men, let's say, um, or, or women. I want to make sure we're all inclusive here. Uh, um, <laughs> is that, you know, uh, yeah, if anyone who can't tell, that's fucking sarcasm on my point. Um, uh, but it's, uh, um, <laughs> it's, it's, you know, uh, like I, I would judge my mates on their ability to, to fight and shoot. That's how I used to judge them. And they were, they, to me, they were useful and a good person. Uh, if they could do all those things, would I want them to be introduced to my my sister, or would I want them to, you know, like you know, be married to a cousin of mine? No, because I, you know, think what makes them uh, good over in this area, it can make them, you know, questionable over here. But like the way I would, uh, I guess, grade them as that, you know, is there was their ability to to get the job done? Do I want them in a, in a dodgy situation? Yes, I do. Do I want them to, you know, be part of my family on Christmas dinner? Probably not. No. But, you know, that's, that's how we should, like, look at those things. I look at Armstrong and, and all I see was a guy who wanted to, to win, wanted to fight, and he, he did it. And he also, you know, we, we seem to skip over the fact that he raised a, a couple of million dollars or billion dollars for cancer as well. Like, I don't think that could ever be overlooked. Um, I think, you know, Jordan's exactly the same. He was just like, hey, fuck it. Like, if you don't want to jump on here, like, I'll – yeah, you can. You're in my way, and that pisses me off. I mean, yeah, you saw that docker where he invented reasons to hate people. 
which is which I find, you know, we all sort of just looked at that and thought, oh, well, that's quite quite normal behaviour. Like, um, you know, when I asked him, did he actually ever say that? And he was like, oh, no, no, I just I made that up in my head just to fucking hate him and piss him off. Like that's that's uh, I, I love that. I love the fact that he invented a battle so he could win. I, I understand that, and I think if we draw that back to endurance, then that's like that's a lifelong pursuit you look at armstrong you look at uh jordan you look at anyone who's, who's had to do these things year in year out you know decade and decade out fuck that's that's got to be taxing and, and i wonder you know mentally physically emotionally you know that's that's a toll that you know, like we say there's only these point point something zero percent of humans that are out there and if we don't understand it we often ridicule it Mm, that is an interesting point, and I think perception and society's perception of these outliers and these people are often very negative. The perception is negative. Mm. For example, I mean, kind of Andy Murray, the uh, British tennis player, um, not the greatest tennis player, but a good one. You know, won you know the, the the top things. Everybody's just every time he was on the TV, everyone's oh, he's a dick. He's just, he's, he's an absolute arsehole. Mate, hang on. It's pretty, it's pretty fucking dull, mate. Like, you know. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Lance Armstrong, Jordan, Andy Murray. Yes. <laughs> Hear me out. Hear me out. <laughs> oh, mate, I'm all ears. I'm all ears. But he's fucking dull. All right, move on. But is that not just his way of that's the thing that he doesn't have because he has the other things that took him to the top of his sport. That's what he's yeah. given mm-hmm. up in order to become a champion. Whereas and yes. a lot of people give up something. It, it might differ. Making, would I give up being dull? Well, you could argue, yes, I'm dull already. But would I <laughs> give up being dull to become a world champion? And that's the decision. Would I give up mm. a normal life or what society perceives as a normal life to become a champion of something. And that's a decision that every person who makes it to that level has to make. Yeah. yeah. I, often, I think combat sports, I think I find combat sports to be uh, one of those things where that individual, the fighter involved, is, is basically in a camp by themselves. Like, you know, they've got sparring partners and they've got training partners, but in the end, they're the one jumping in the ring or jumping in the cage by themselves. Um, we were lucky enough to have um, George Cambosis uh, stop by the Roosters a couple of months ago. Um, and he's a, he's a boxer. He just had a fight today. Um, uh, and his, his mindset um, was uh, – of his last fight was that he was – he told his wife – Hey, um, you and the kids are, are good. Uh, they're all, you're well taken care of. Um, everything's going to be okay. Um, if, if something happens to me tomorrow in the ring and she's like, don't be silly. And he's like, no, no, you don't understand. I'm either going to win or die in that ring tomorrow. And she's like, oh, you're being silly. And he's like, no, I'm not like, I'm, this is everything I've, I want. This is the only way it's going to happen. I'm either going to die or I'm going to win. And he, he ended up winning, which is quite good. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, makes, makes for a happier ending. Um, but he, like his, his ability to, like, no one else is there to make him do the one percenters that make someone a champion like that. Um, you know, this is, this is a guy who's wanted this from as, as long as he can remember. Um, I always think, you know, and look at Bolanowski, um, 
so I, I got to podcast him uh, last year as well, and he's such an interesting guy. You know, uh, he's uh, he was a, a fat NRL kid um, and used to do boxing and wrestling and stuff to try and uh, drop weight before uh, the football season. And, and turned out he wasn't a bad wrestler or wasn't a bad fighter. But it's all very it's singular in, in its its pursuit. Like it, it's just you getting up you deciding, you know, when it's time to go. And I'm sure it's the same for cyclists, you know, and you cycle together, but you're on the bike by yourself. And if you don't push the pedals down, then you're not going forward. Um, you know, I think that's the endurance part of this is quite interesting because it, it to me, a great, uh, a great athlete or anyone who's got the ability to endure has this mindset that uh, unless you, unless you tapped into it yourself, it's, it's seldom that I think other people understand. I think it, it's similar. Like, I think I get exactly what you're saying, Sean, with, you know, to go, to go back on that as well. And it's sort of echoed in, in what Kev said there, like endurance sport, high performing athletes, we're inherently to be successful and, and, and to endure them. It, it's, it's, it's incredibly selfish. And a lot of things, like Andy Murray forgot to turn up when the personality was getting dished out. He was busy hitting serves, you know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> so it's just, but there's so many, and, and I think this is a question that we probably all face quite a lot. Like the layman see it as sacrifices. And I don't see that I've missed anything in my life. I could have, I could be sat here now and say, yeah, I sacrificed going out with my mates last night, but I didn't, I don't feel like that was a sacrifice at all because those guys, some of them were my friends, but their goals are not aligned with mine. I'm inherently selfish around my goals. I'm not a top performing athlete, but it's the same sort of mindset that goes through it. And if people are going to be successful in a number of different ways, I think we have to stop seeing it as what society tells us is sacrificing or going without. I, I don't feel like I've gone without anything. I feel incredibly fulfilled. And, and when, when I'm moving into, uh, and it's the same with people that I, I coach as well, when we're moving into a heavy training block, like it's the most fucking exciting block of that time. Like I wouldn't, I don't ever think, oh fuck, I'm getting up at two in the morning and you know, I could be out with the lads last night. Like it doesn't even hit the radar. And I think that's where, that's where if people are struggling with this sort of, you know, how are these guys able to be, to be better? It's without being, and I think it's quite cool. It's the first time I've actually had a conversation with, with a group of people that everyone's kind of on the same page with Lance Armstrong, like phenomenal guy, perhaps was a bit of a dick to a few people along the way. There's probably no need for that, but that's just a byproduct. Like you don't have to be a dickhead to people. You just have to, you can still be in your well, lane. That's hard. And sacrifices. It's hard not to be a dickhead to some people. It is, mate. Yeah, <laughs> but you... Yeah. <laughs> no, but, but I mean, and, I, and I, mean that, I mean that in the sense of like, everyone's assumption is we should all be on the same. Like, that's what I feel at the moment is we're in a culture where everyone's like, oh, well, there's these values and these are, these are bad traits and these are bad personality types. And as a result, people who can't see the the world from the perspective you have assume you're different or have a different viewpoint and that then creates conflict and i'm i'm understanding quite i've hired some people recently and people are like why have you hired them people or they're a bit argumentative and that and i'm like yeah because you're emotional like i am and i know if shit goes south 
you will be a wreck like I would be. And I need people who are going to steady my ship. Mm -hmm. I need people who are going to allow me to be creative and do the things I want to do. So I need those people that have a different personality trait than me, have different character types because I understand my team needs it. If, if everyone on the team is B.A. Barakas, who's, who's flying the fucking helicopter? Do you know what I mean? That's, and, ev that's and, everybody, and everybody on Instagram just wants the, the same group of the same people around them. And that's, that's friends. That's friends. Mm. That's not a team. And it's very different. different. So as you walk through this and you have a pursuit and a vision, that's not going to align with the people around you. And when that vision is, like we said, you're that person who wants to do the 10K when everyone else thinks a mile's far all of a sudden you're disrupting it. So you're going to create a lot of tension in the spirit of those around you who don't want change because it adjusts where they sit in the hierarchy of the tribe. So they're going to create conflict at which point, you know, not, uh, do you, uh, I, I, I agree a hundred percent with you, Paul. And, and that's probably why, although we've never met, we seem to get on quite well already, which is beautiful, but I've changed. I was just like you in that. What I would mean? always, <laughs> handsome nice beard then I shave we it go. off and, yeah. <laughs> um, I find myself now more if I was to be asked that question that you've just used the example of mate now I used to come with an argument like like you just very well presented mate but now I'm just like I'm silent oh and I think I'm happy I, with the silence because I don't I, need to justify what I've done. Yeah. Oh, no, I, I, do, I don't. But I understand that even, even your actions and the pursuit of your goals will trouble other people. And whether you want the argument or not, it will create offense. And that's because other people yeah. aren't on the same journey as you. Not caring, yeah, that's 100% where I'm at. I'm 100% right. I don't. I don't care. I've got a vision. I know what I want to do and create, but I understand that in its very nature, for some reason, it will challenge those around. Then you get the whole, you're a yes. dick, you have an opinion. And I'm like, well, actually, actually, I like opinions and I like people who challenge me a little bit because I'm like, firstly, are they, okay, why does that hurt my feelings? Are they right? Or am I presenting it wrong? Or yeah. do they just not know? And, and I like that because it gets me, I mean, me and Paul have these conversations quite frequently. It's like, oh, this is frustrating us. And it's like, okay, let's step that back. Is it actually, me, is it a me problem, a them problem or a perception problem? And it, not always. Sometimes it's just white noise, but sometimes I also be like, oh, thank, <laughs> you for, thank you for the free coaching by thinking you're having a go at me. You're not having a go at me at all. Yeah. You just give me some advice. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's how that's how I hope you'd re respond to that, mate. I think it's absolute gold. There's some there's some key things there, and I think um, team sports and team environments play big parts in terms of the roles. So going back to what you said, Paul, about not hiring the same people because otherwise you just have clones. You don't bring different things to the business or to the team, and you'll have to have different parts. I think in terms of being a dickhead, you can be polite. And still assertive. You don't have to be an asshole. And actually, mm. silence can then be golden and you move on from that. I think the, in talking about the top 1%, that singular focus perhaps then exaggerates all these traits. But actually, you still have Liz, the 53-year-old woman that turns up every single day for her 
CrossFit class, spin class, whatever. She's still enduring over a prolonged period of time, but perhaps she just doesn't have that um, exaggerated Michael Jordan um, kind of personality, but she's still doing it day in, day out. As much as Jordan would train for five hours, seven hours a day on his own, it's, it's just that context of where people are at, perhaps. It's a different type of endurance. I think that was what was said right at the very beginning, which is 15 minutes for some people of an all-out effort is endurance. 100 miles for other people isn't endurance because they know they can do 150 without too much trouble. I had a client last week uh, in, in the Greek Greece camp who um, we did yoga for 15 minutes. I got one of the girls, Jess, to do yoga class and she started crying. She was like, I can't do yoga. I can't sit here. I can't sit here this long. It made her emotional. She, she had to think for, she had to think for 15 minutes. What? Well, <laughs> I'll agree. Yeah, it's about <laughs> make me cry. Yeah. I almost teared yeah. up just then. Yeah, <laughs> maybe for different reasons. But the sitting with the emotions <laughs> was a challenge for her. It was a real, real challenge for her was to sit still. And it's like, well, I want to do this. I want to do this event. And it's like, oh, wow. It's like endurance. There's lots of different levels of endurance we're talking about sport mostly, but um, yeah. yeah, endurance is kind of not being, knowing the end is there, but not being able to see it and pursuing it anyway, even though it hurts. Yeah, and that's it was, quite nice into, into the question. Perhaps more you, Kev. So with the Roosters, you've got a long season of tough rugby league NRL games where you have 13 men on the, on the pitch and you've got a larger squad. So they've got bashed up on the Saturday or Sunday. They come in on the Monday and they have to slowly pick up that emotion again to peak at the weekend when they're, they're taking it back out on the pitch. How do you modulate that and gently push or pull or slap whatever is needed for a host of different personalities and over the course of is it a 20 25 week season yeah 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 depending on the finals yeah so it's it's interesting because you've got different personalities um but generally the rule is you're gonna you're gonna have 24 hours you know 48 hours to to, to deal with whatever you need to deal with. Um, but the, the game goes on, the week goes on, the month goes on. It just, it continues on. So you've got to pick up and, and go again. And there's no room or there's no, there's no time to sit there and, and sulk or to, you know, to think about it too much. Um, I think as well in a team environment, it's a whole lot easier to, to drop it at the door and continue because you've got to refocus on the next game. You've got to refocus on the next task and with having, you know, having a bunch of, you know, like-minded individuals around them, there's always someone who's down and someone's willing to pick them up. Um, and I think that in itself is, uh, you know, they, they, they learned this, they, they, they learn this, I guess, by just saying, you know, like you can't be perfect all the time or you could have, you know, I, I interviewed this uh, ex rugby union player, Sam Wikes um, and Wikes, he just happened to be, in teams that continually lost for Super Rugby, like he was just unfortunate to be part of those teams, and it just happens. Um, so he had to redefine what winning was for him because if it looked at the scoreboard continually, then his career was a waste, you know. But for him, it was about you know we we all know in sport too, I guess that you can have the best game of your life and the scoreboard can say you lost. You could have one of the worst games of your life and the scoreboard can show that you win. Um, 
so it's it's individual. Um, but if you're a, like a, a team player, uh, then you haven't got time to to sit around and sulk. And those guys don't generally last because you know that that you can't ride that wave of emotion like that every single week without having some sort of innate ability just to be like park it so I can look at it and then move on and go again and adjust and reset. Um, so I, I think the boys do it really well. I think most teams do it really well. Um, I think in finals it's different because it becomes very cut and dry as to who's going to make it, who's going to not. And it's, it's the finality of, of losing means that you're out of the season. You put so much on the line. I think it gets harder because you can start to question what like, did I do everything I could have done, you know, as a coach or as a player or whatever to make sure that we did our best. And that's there for me. They're the dark moments where you think about like, did I do everything right? Did I do everything that I could have done or should have done to make sure that, you know, at the end of this season or at the end of this game or whatever it was that, you know, we're in the best possible position. And only you can answer that for yourself, I guess. Um, But yeah, I I think uh, having a team versus being an individual in, in a sport makes a big difference. Like I think a loss as a, individual in a combat sport or in a you know like you know look at andy murray again Uh, and i agree i think he's one of the dullest fucking guys on the planet but um (laughs) like i also also think too like what a great tennis player and you know to attack his personality uh but when we look at that athletic ability like it's it's one of those things that you know it's just it's 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 not it's natural you know that we don't we don't like certain traits, whether it's because we see them in ourselves or we just like to poke fun of that shit. You know, that's good. And I think it's for Andy, isn't he? he he's a Scott and no one likes him because he was, you know, he's really not from the UK. Is that true? <laughs> <laughs> this is getting better. <laughs> Didn't they give him uh, sports personality of the year one year, BBC? And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> Yeah, I think everybody knows that the word personality in that award never <laughs> we, we, like the, we like the Scottish. We love the Scottish. We love Scotland. It's just... <laughs> no, we don't, mate. What are you talking about? I love Scotland. I go there. I, I, like, I like visiting frequently. It's just we took a big shit on it, so they're a bit upset about us. <laughs> <laughs> I like Scotland. Scotland just doesn't like me. if you had a jordan-esque character in your camp do i or how would you cope with a jordan-esque character in your camp because i would imagine he could be quite disruptive oh i think he'd get out of their way if if it was me because in the end sport's about winning you know um, and if he's disrupting the team, but this is the thing about a team sport, and I think it's it's true in any sport. If Jordan was a big problem, he wouldn't have been there. Um, I think Jordan was the glue for that team. I don't think that team would have been anything like they they were without him. And it's it's the same in uh, in any other sport. So we've had players that have been great players, but individually they didn't fit with the team. So they sort of deselected themselves. Um, and then you've got guys that are just fucking outliers and mental, but you love them because that's who they are, you know. And we've got guys that will meditate and come in and stretch and do all those sort of things. I've also got guys that probably don't know where the rollers are in, in the gym and, and wouldn't care for it, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. Like, but it, it's, it depends on uh, – yeah, I think someone who's athletically gifted and great and has that attitude, 
Um, you know, so we've got uh, James Sedesco, who's the captain of, of the Roosters. He's also the captain of the New South Wales State of Origin team. Um, and, you know, he's he's just a gifted player, not big on words, Teddy, not, not a big, not a big speaker. Um, can't sort of hold the room too well, but he doesn't need to be a, a great uh, motivator in terms of his words because his work ethic takes care of all that. Um, and then Trent's a really good coach at putting all these plays in and around into sort of positions that will support that as well. You know, um, and we talk about, culture in, in the Roosters is like it, we don't have it written anywhere. We don't have words on the wall. We don't have any of that sort of shit because we believe that culture is something you feel um, and that's that's how it is. So uh, that's how we sort of uh, – yeah, we, we don't talk about it too much because I think everyone is, after a while gets what that culture is about and we're all about winning as well. So, you know, we, we're not here to get in the top eight. We're not here to get uh, – do our best. We're here to win a premiership and that's what we want to do every single year. So that's, that's the focus. And all the boys know that all the staff know that everyone knows that like we're here to win and anything other than winning really isn't acceptable to us. Um, you put pressure on yourself because of that, but I think um, pressure is, is a privilege. That's the way to look at it. Um, you shouldn't look at it any other way because if you're not pressured, you know, I look at pressure and stress as a way that the body adapts and grows. It doesn't shrink, you know, like we, we should endure that. And I, I think it's something that, you know, uh, fuck, I'd hate to live in a world where I wasn't uh, in under some form of stress or pressure. I think, you know, um, I think that's something we should be aiming for. Yeah, whilst the world seems to be trying to get rid of that as much as possible and label it as label it as anxiety and everything else, mm. it's like, well, actually, actually, we're we're kind of geared up to constantly pursue stresses and battle the elements and battle life itself and all the things that go around it. And I think we try to, yeah, we just we just lost it. I think at times, I think the pressure is super important. Um, yeah, you look at who you become. Pursue. Uh, you think yeah. about all those things that you've done physically. I always think physically I've grown, you know, if a task has been physically demanding, you can't help but drag your mentality along with it. Like it's something happens along, along the way where you get broken and if you have, uh, you know, big enough balls, you'll put yourself back together again and you'll go again. You'll see what happens next. You see what happens next. Like that doesn't happen. You don't get born like that. I refuse to believe that. That, that that's what happens. Like you place yourself under stress. No one enjoys it the first time. No one hates, well, no one enjoys losing and failing, but there's something in us that after a while you're like, Fuck, I learned something there. Like I can do this. So I can push a little bit harder. I learned that this hard work and, and this, this ability to endure something that other people can't rewards you. And it, it's not necessarily a, a physical reward for me. It's one of those things where you're like, fuck on, uh, I, I had this innate belief that I can endure anything, um, that whatever happens, I can start again. Whatever happens, I'll pick myself up and keep going. Like I, like I, I don't think uh, I'll ever look at something and believe that this is it and it's all finished. Like I refuse to believe that. And then that's, that's in anything. Like, um, so my, my bottom, I've always created this, this bottom level for myself, whether it's like financially, physically, mentally, spiritually, relationship-wise, like, fuck, I can always – go again like nothing is ever going to stop 
It gets um, to the point, though. Does it not get to the point? And yeah. it was something I thought of when you were talking about the, the the way that the team works. You know, you have a game, you deal with what you're dealing with, but then you go back and you get back into it, and it starts again and repeats. It becomes habitual. Yeah. It becomes a habit, and you become used to that particular thing because that's how your world works. That's how your life works. It's the same with um, focus on training. You know, kind of Paul gets up. Five five o'clock, five thirty every day to train. He doesn't really. You you get to a point where you don't have to force yourself to do that. You're not enduring that thing. It's just what you do. You don't. It's a, it's a reward. Like you're rewarding yourself. I think that's. It's just a different story you tell yourself. I, I think we're all the same. I mean, every every one of us is sort of talking about the same thing. I haven't heard anyone say like fuck, I hate training, like, geez, it's a ball like, but I do it because I really like to look at my rig in summer, you know, and we, none of us sort of say that. Yeah, it's just, it's a byproduct, you know? Yeah, yeah, we just happen to be, like, all of us, the best-looking blokes on the planet. It's just natural. Um, but, you know, it's... Um, <laughs> but it, it, to, to, to me, it becomes... It, it's it's so much more than, than physical. It, like, the ability to endure... Uh, anything comes from you know just doing it again and again I, I i took a bunch of friends to kokoda a few years back to, to Papua new guinea due to kokoda trail it's like 120 k's of, um in the jungle i like i to me I, I loved it i thought it was really enjoyable like you know you're out there you're sort of walking with your mates and uh, you, you walk 20 30 k a day up some of these big hills and it's yeah it's painful your legs burn but for me having spent you know 20 years in the military I was so at peace and so calm out there because I like I had hiking boots on and some shorts and a shirt and a pack that actually fit nice. Um, I didn't have to carry a weapon or ammunition. Um, and all I needed to do at the end of the day was to, to make myself a coffee. Um, but what I found was like, you know, people were, were uh, their, their knees were hurting, their ankles were hurting, their backs were hurting. They didn't sleep well out in the tent. Uh, they were itchy. Someone got bitten by something and had an allergic reaction, and it, it, it was like it was fucking black hawk down for some of these people. But because it, they had never had to find the will and the way to get up every single day, and the best thing about that track is that like once you start, uh, you can only get airlifted out, and most of the time the cloud covers that shit that it's not going to happen. So once you're on the track, you're just walking out. And that's just the way it is. So there's no way but to put the next step forward. Um, and uh, it was interesting to watch people grow, break, rebuild, and then go again each single day. And it's something I, I think, um, you know, I just took for granted having been through that myself, you know, for so, so many years. I think sport does that to many people as well. Yeah, the experience is something that we haven't talked about either. So the experience of doing something like that, which isn't normal for most people, and I suppose one for Marcus in terms of the experience of doing something where you're out kind of in the desert, wherever you are, and you've experienced in the course of the same effort, let's say, and same same race, same thing that you're doing, the sun going down, then coming back up during the same, the same thing. There's an experience there that goes beyond endurance because you felt something that isn't the pain, isn't the uh, the physical or the mental. It's it, it's something different. Does that make sense? Deeper, hundred percent, mate. And I think, like 
when you look to endurance and especially the, I guess the kind of endurance that I do, which is not any better or any harder or any worse, just to put it out there than what anyone else does. Uh, because of the amount of time that I have and because of the amount of natural processes that happen within the body, it becomes a lot, it becomes incredibly, I would say, spiritual in a way. And, you know, it's, it's interesting what you said and, and also like what, what we've been talking about here because there's certain things that we've got different nervous systems in the body. We've got conscious and subconscious. And w when we're able to open our mindset and understand what our parasympathetic is versus what our sympathetic is versus why at night, like, why do I feel tired when I'm running through these mountains? Because that's how my body works. But a lot of the time, we're almost in this, we, we literally, and I think the last two years has, has really made this sort of exacerbated it a little bit. We're, we're in fight or flight mode the whole time, where when these things are happening, you know, okay, my body's shutting down. Of course it is. It's 11 o'clock at night. I've run 100 kilometers and I've got another 20 hours of this. That's okay. Like, so we just take it down a little bit. And then we understand that and we don't put our energy in to start fighting it. But then we, then we go on this pretty cool sort of spiritual journey where it's like, but what happens at this time of night? And there's a bird over there or there's a star there. And then the moon comes like this. And it all sounds a little bit, you know, it all sounds a little bit out there for a lot of people. But that's when you're able to create this inner peace that goes, yeah, I'm here and I'm doing this and I've chosen to be here because this experience is, is so huge and I can learn so much because mother nature, the world, life, spirituality, whatever, is just here in front of me and crazy shit happens. Like when we're in Spain last year and it was about 35 hours into a race, we'd gone through two nights and I'm running towards this fence and my dad's there and I can see him. He's wearing an inner fight t-shirt. And I've got this smile on my face. And as I get closer, he starts to disappear. And I'm like, dad. And Rob, who I'm running with, he's like, mate, what are you talking? I said, my dad's there. He's like, no one's there. And you're like, wow, this is actually really quite cool. You know, then you start to process that. And, you know, and Rob, Rob and I would have arguments. He's like, fuck, your, your hallucinations are so vivid, mate. I'm, I'm, I'm just... I'm just fucking tired and I'm not seeing anything and you're seeing all this cool shit happening. And I'm like, you know, and I'm like, wow, this is, this is something like so much bigger than, than us as humans. But at the same time, it is us as humans and it's all of the different senses that the modern world is, if I don't fuck this up, desensitizing us from, we're, we're reconnecting with. Yeah. Because the modern world like Apple, your phone tells you when to go to sleep or when to wake up. But in nature, and after 35 hours, 38 hours running, I mean, it's not all running. We're walking up stuff, falling over and all this shit. If you're not in touch with those natural senses, then you're, you're actually, you're just going to fall over and stop. And that's what makes these things interesting for me. I would say it depends how you deal with that situation. <clears throat> Let's take the, the specific example of hallucinating. 
a lot of people would take that and say, Christ, I'm not doing that again. That was awful. I, I went to a point where this isn't good for me. And they would not do that ever again. It's, it's the same thing where people are, oh, I, 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 that workout was so awful. I felt so bad at the end of that. I almost died. I'm not doing that again. But this is the problem, mate. It's because they, they have these self-limiting beliefs. And that's why they don't achieve great things. And that's why they're upset that, you know, someone isn't yeah. doing something for them and they're not taking ownership. Like, you get to that point. And, yeah, I don't, wanna, I don't want that experience every day, for sure. But will I have it again in my life? Will I go looking for it? Absolutely, mate, because it's magical. This is the guy that's coming from the guy that ran a marathon and said, I'm never going to run another marathon. And then did 30 of them in 30 days back to back. You know, because fuck crazy. Off, wouldn't you? <laughs> How did that change you? It, it enabled me to be a lot more present because if you're not, you completely destroy yourself. So you know, you've got like the task is, it's not huge. People have done a lot more and people do a lot greater stuff. But for me, in that moment, the task was huge. And I quickly learned the skill of focusing or maybe continue to develop the skill because it was about nine months after my accident where I had to stay quite present to preserve my life. So I think I just was able to work on that skill and I'm still working on it just to stay completely present. And it, it, I think the biggest compliment I've had around it is, you know, it just, it just enables you to be, to be, and just to be a bit Zen and it's okay. You know, and I think that's where endurance, longer stuff, sorry to, to put it like that, but longer endurance, it just like, it's okay. You know, it's everything's going to be okay, and 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 like Kev said, we get dropped. There's no helivac or whatever you call it. Like we're just going to figure it out, and we've got our clothes, we've got a little bit of food, and you know, it's going to be fine. And I think that mindset, you know, I just I just had to get to the end every day, Paul. And you know, some days at 15k it was mayhem, some days at 1k it was mayhem, but you know. You just walk 10 meters and then shit gets better because you just change your mindset around it. I know that you tend to write down your thoughts after your events, your endeavors, whether it's a long run, an ultra or those things. And I would imagine Kev, Paul, Sean, you're much the same, that actually when you've done something which is large, momentous, big, however you want to describe it, often it takes several days for everything to process and put into perspective what has happened. So we're talking about the change that happens after doing something, whether it's a big event or a life-changing event. It's not a quick change. It takes time and you need to allow that moment to kind of happen. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think, uh, sorry, I mean, I'll I'll let you guys talk in a second, but I think like, the way that it happens is up to you, mate, because it's how hard you're willing to work after to reflect on it and implement things into your life. 
yeah. and you can have similar experiences like you know i know a lot of what paul does is is is, is more perhaps in a gym although he was running up mountains with his guys in greece recently but you know he can he can get people to where i've got to at 35 or 40 hours he could probably get them there within a 10 minute workout if they were open to the questions and the probing that that paul would would put them through and that's where his skill set i think is is quite incredible thanks you're welcome <laughs> so happy and smiling yeah i know it's good no i think it's uh, also yeah. too we do you think guys i I'm just i'm i'm also just struck continually these days by uh, society's ability just to uh, applaud every little small feat. You know, I think, you know, that annoys me beyond, you know, <laughs> words. But, you know, like, uh, you know, like trying to – someone uh, asked me a couple of days ago, like, you know, uh, what do I do on my days off? Or, um, you know, is it okay to do a little bit of this, a little bit of that? And I'm like, yeah, well, the human body, A, is designed to move. You're designed to push yourself – you know that's that's what it's there for. Until you look at your physiology, and it's it's uh, that's what the body's there for. So um, you've been given this gift. I always think about um, you know if I in a wheelchair, how much would I want to move now? If I lost a leg, or if I lost any of this sort of stuff, if I lost my ability to do all these amazing tasks, how much would I you know hate myself for not doing it now? Um, you know, and I, you know, when we talk about uh, people's, uh, maybe they're not willing to go the extra mile, or they're uncomfortable, or it's society. I think society plays a huge part, and we're 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 okay with being mediocre in, in the sense of like trying to chase something. It's okay to be, you know, we, we, we won't support someone's you know feat of excellence to go out and push themselves. We start to question as to why, 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 why would you do that? Why would you go back to back marathons? Why would you do something that crazy? Well, it's because we're starting to really, you know, we know we don't celebrate these these amazing efforts anymore. And it's because, you know, we, we celebrate mediocre or we celebrate the wrong things. We we've been pulled away from what's what's special. Um uh. and I think it, it's 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 yeah if you look at the human body and i think if we look at the connection i think you know i think about the the past two years and the lockdown um the the two greatest things that that i realized once again was like my ability to get out and to move was completely up to me my mindset was completely up to me and the people i surrounded myself with um were the was the number one reason like i enjoyed my time like the situation is out of my control. Like I can't sit there and argue with the government about what they do, what they don't do. But what I can do is like, well, what, what, what's the best of this situation? You know, um, uh, yeah, it's 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 a, it's a struggle for me to one to see uh, like how little people are willing to to explore this side. When we talk about the spiritual side of suffering, I think there's like there's such a huge awakening there, and I think that's something that's so untapped. I think if more people instead of reaching for a beer or reaching for another bit of food, went out and got some sunlight or went and walked or went and pushed themselves physically. I think we all know that by, you know, even a 15, 20-minute effort of some sort of physicality, you, your brain starts to operate differently. You start to look for the positive. You know, if you think well, you do well, and then you think well and you do well, and it seems to repeat itself. Um, the endurance stuff for me is, is, one, is, is physicality in, in, in one aspect, but then the ability to endure 
all those, you know, those discipline moments that we seem to forget these days. You know, I'm not sure what, like, what you think there, guys. I'm, I'm interested. I think that there is a form of endurance there in the ability to think a bit harder about things and take that time to think a bit harder rather than just reach for the beer or just dump yourself on the sofa and watch sport all day. And I think a lot of, I say a lot of people, I don't, I don't know this for sure, but my perception is that, a lot, that not enough people think hard enough about what they're doing, what they're experiencing, and what they should be doing to solve a problem. Let's say that the external pressures that come in, there's, everybody's got a problem to solve. It's subjective um, whether it's a problem or not, but to you it might be a problem, to other people it might not be. But there's always something to overcome and something to move towards. But I think in order to do that and have that view on things, you need to take the time to think harder about things rather than just dismiss stuff and move on like I see the vast majority of people doing. I'm sure there's a, we've got a, there's a lot of, probably a lot of utility in that. I don't think everyone has to think all of the time. Otherwise we might just be a bunch of people who overthink a lot of things. You know I mean? I think there is all, we've got to remember like one thing I'm trying to be, be a lot more when we've talked before about con- being considerate is understanding that sometimes I might envy the people who are able to continue and persist without the over going down the rabbit hole with every single conversation and everything because sometimes I mean I see some people where they go so far with that is all they're doing is thinking about it and trying to delve deep into it and doing the deep dive to the point where you actually realize they're really stagnant and they've not actually gone anywhere they might have gone deeper but they didn't go forward and it's there's got to be there's got to be both and I think you know I think for me the sweet spot would be being able to process take it in do it a lot more efficiently than I used to and then advance. And that's kind of the position I'm trying to be in because the deep dive on its own is, is a dark hole <laughs> and, um, and ignorant pursuit can get you so far until you hit the wall. Um, so I think it's about balance and about understanding. And I'm always very cre- and I challenge and I come back and challenge there because I'm always worried when we talk about people and it's like, oh, well, do you know what I mean? I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm not that special a snowflake, I don't think. Um, so when, when things come like people, I'm like, well, actually, where is that? What is the language we're doing? And as coaches and as coaches in this space, how could we enlighten those people to the benefits of, hey, guys, have you seen these sunset things? They're free. They happen every day. Um, you know, it just happens to be the same time you're doing something at home that's a bit useless. Perhaps, you know, <laughs> stop scrolling TikTok for a second and look at the sun because even then you can have the most slight spiritual encounters. And <clears throat> during lockdown, we got so angry about gyms and I was like, just look at the sun and go for a walk, guys. Like that's fitness too, that's health and that's going to be really beneficial for your mindset. You did a really nice workout called Gratitude where there was a massive physical effort, but at the end of each yeah. round, you made the whole point was to, to write something down that you were thankful for. So it made you think as well. Yeah. I think that was really useful and quite powerful. Yeah, I think that was, yeah, that was, that one, that one made me cry, which is, a, but that was for a reason. It, I cried. That was when my dog passed away and yeah, it was, uh, what was it, 10 down to one, rope climbs with the weight vest on, 
with a mile run after every effort, write one thing. you For me specifically, I was writing one thing I was grateful for for my dog. Because I didn't want to do the whole tribute, oh, I'm sad about this. It was like, okay, take this moment to reflect on 10 gifts I was given from having that. Because I saw my time with Thorne as, it was like a DVD, right? It's like renting a DVD from Blockbusters. It was a VHS and, you know, it's Jurassic Park. You're going to watch it and you have to take it back on Monday. You can't cry about having to take it back. You know, you can, but just watch it five times over the weekend and enjoy it and make the most out of it. And, um, you know, nothing in this life is, everything on this in this world is a rental. And I don't want to spend my time being afraid that it goes back on Monday. And I don't want to hate the movie and reflect on it badly just because I had to take it back on Monday. And I wanted to take that time not to necessarily mourn, but be grateful, be grateful for the experiences I got. And actually the first three are like dumb shit, right? Like you write, and it's why people say when you do it, writing goals or writing feelings, write a bunch because you don't dig deeper till about three or four in. <laughs> and by the time you know because you just write you write the basic dumb shit what's your goals it's like oh it's this it's this it's like yeah make a million bucks. and then it like starts getting a bit deeper and it's like oh okay and I think by about round or six and seven by six or seven I was it was um it was hard it was a couple of hours into the workout and um and where I had to go on the mile run to think about what I was going to write next was much deeper and had a bigger impact on me um, as a result of that for me personally. So when I got emotional towards the end, it was because the mile runs, I was not only fatigued, but I was drifting into a headspace on the run about my experience in life with, you know, something that brought me a lot of joy and, that and, fatigue, and, and I relied on. That, that fatigue opens different doors into different 100%. parts of your head. Um, your energy levels are different you're struggling to pick up the stuff to power your brain as well as your body it just just opens different doors and yeah. Sean and not Sean Kev and Marcus you must have experienced this Kev you must have gone on operations in theatre where you were fatigued have been up for hours upon hours and your head was probably going different places. Marcus, the same with your runs. And sure, even when you were younger and doing long swims in the pool, you know, you've got a lot of time with your head in the water thinking about other things and just breathing and, and pulling a stroke, I'm sure. Do you know what? I would say I would say at that age, no. Okay. Because that's not how you're programmed. And I think we're, we're, we're all kind of, we're all kind of sort similar ages and have experienced things. And, and I think for me, this way of, Maybe, maybe I am guilty at times of overthinking things and I do replay experiences over and over, stuff that's happened you know, kind of years and years ago that I still draw from and think about and remember vividly. But that's only a recent thing. That's only within the last sort of five years or so that I've started to process and think a bit harder about what I'm doing and how I'm doing things and how I'm kind of structuring my, my life and navigating the world. But you know, when you were that age, you were just swimming. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 and I, I think, think that, I think there's a lot of good, different. Think, sorry. Go on, no, I, 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 uh, when I used to run, I never had the memories of when I was playing rugby because I think there was a lot of distraction going on because it was a team sport. But it's interesting, Sean, 
like swimming is inherently quite an individual sport similar to, to running and I have very clear memories of running through the forest early morning when everyone was still sleeping snow and a similar similar sort of I guess you'd call it spiritual experience mm. as I still have today and Sunday afternoons when it was, you know, lashing rain because the, the, the cross country season was uh, January to sort of Easter. So to March, April. And those times were, I remember more about the forests, what I thought and what was going on. And I, I don't know, like rather than, Oh, this is really hard. So it's, it's very interesting to hear that, yeah, we're, we're of a similar age and, and, and stuff, but the experiences are actually quite different. But I think, the, I think the outside external influence on that experience is very different in that setting than it is to being in a swimming pool. That's exactly the same as every other swimming pool that you swam in for the last <laughs> 10 years. <laughs> Sorry, all, mate. <laughs> yeah, that, that, spiritual, that spiritual experience is not there because you're looking at a black line on the ground. Black line, looking, I was going to yeah, say. <laughs> under, under the water on the tiles, or you're looking at a random ceiling, which in a 1960s style um, building <laughs> in the UK. This, this, there's no... It's literally just swimming at, at that age. Yeah. And I think the external factors play a large part of that. And I can see... Agreed. And I do remember things from around that time, and I'm going back 30 years, um, kind of in my teens. I remember doing things, going on holiday, experiencing things at that age that I still vividly remember. But I think it's because they had external factors and there was emotions and you know, visuals and feelings you know, be it the warmth of the sun or how heavy the rain was in Florida, for example, sake, I didn't get that through the effort of swimming. But you would have done if you'd have probably had, open, if you'd have done open water swimming or yeah, swam totally in some agree. of those locations, yeah. you would have had a completely different mm. yeah, totally agree. experience. Same yeah. with running on a treadmill, right? Yeah. You don't want to hallucinate seeing your dad whilst you're on a treadmill. <laughs> <laughs> we could try it, mate. <laughs> You'll have your head, your head will end up hitting the deck. <laughs> it, it is an interesting point there, though, because that idea of does it help you push further, having that external influence and having the spiritual experience through what you're experiencing? I reckon it, it's, it's interesting because I think um, my first tour overseas, I think that was like 1999. Um, fuck, that was a long time ago. Um, and there was, I think it was a Thursday or a Friday night. Um, we were, we were in a like a, a shitty situation where it looked like I, I got a I got a message from my uh, from my Sarge, and he just said like, "Hey, if, when things go south, we uh, we're sort of blocked off here. You're going to have to like throw as many rounds as you can down range, um, and then run backwards, hit the water." If you can fucking make it up the beach, and then we're going to try an RV up there. If we can all get out of here, and I was like, "Oh, that sounds like a fucking great idea!" Like, you know, <laughs> awesome, um, good, good, good plan. I'm sure that's going to go well. Um, and all I can remember thinking about was like, "Fuck, I wonder what the boys are doing now." Like, I bet you they're at the pub. I bet they're doing this, uh, you know. And here I am sitting in this fucking weird ass country, about to get fucking shot out again. Like, and then fast forward. 10 years, I similar experience and I, I knew I was about to walk into something big and I was 
I was just excited. I was like, fuck, I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Like imagine being sat at a pub somewhere and just having to sit there and, you know, watch a movie and talk about that sort of shit. Um, like, uh, and, and for me, it was a mind shift change where I was just like, you know what? I chose this. So first off, you know, like, like take charge of where you are. You wanted to do this. Like as soon as you get scary or a bit hairy, you, you, you can't sort of, you know, bitch up. Um, and then look for the, you know, look for the, the part that's that, that's that's awesome like there is one percent of one percent to get to do this job um enjoy it you know enjoy it and grab it you know and then like men have been fighting for thousands of years it's combat is combat it's there's something raw and awesome about it um and it, it shows you uniquely who you are at the time and you know you know the ability to endure and resilience and grit and all that sort of shit uh it, it's fluid in the moment like you may have it one day and you can lose it the next day. It doesn't, it's something that you need to like continually build on and never rest on. I think that's, that's what I found is really, really interesting and awesome is the, it's the ability to endure hardship uh, is up to you. And it's, it's just ever, uh, yeah, like your cup is never going to be filled. You know, it leaks every single time. You can fill it with an experience Fill it with this, like, yes, I'm like, I've, I've done this thing, therefore, I have, have like the ability to endure, and I have grit, I have determination. And the next day, you know, you, your son cries at one in the morning, and you're like, fuck this shit, like, yeah, I'm gonna go and do something else. Um, you know, it, it's, I always, always uh, think about those type of things as like, I, I'm, I'm always at the point that if I don't go and try and build on what I've got, then I'm not going to maintain it. I'm going to lose it continually. So that, that's the way I look at things is that I'm, uh, I'm on a constant uh, decline in terms of, you know, my, my mental hardness or whatever the fuck we like to call it these days. Um, How has that been, that transference from, from military to civilian life where you don't have that? It's, it's very different. And if you've never been in the yeah. military, which I haven't, I can never know what it's like to be shot at. I can imagine, but it will never come close. Yeah. If I go down to the pub and try to find smaller, weaker people and beat them up, I think that's for me, is it? No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's not going to be difficult for you, is it? Smaller or weaker, let's be honest. Um, no, like... It, it's, it's an interesting transition because, um, like I say, I think everyone who asks, like the hardest thing I'll ever do, I think, is transition out of the military. For me, it was 20 years, and that's a, that's a lifetime of, you know, of doing something. And I've spent more time doing that than I have doing what I am now. Um, so I'm, I'm still adjusting, you know, and I don't think um, what I see on the outside and uh, from, from where I was, like I don't always think it's, you know, like society's heading in, in like my ideal direction. So I hold on to a lot of the things, a lot of the lessons, a lot of the, the, the personality traits um, still. And I, I don't look to fit in. I look to find like my, my little group, I guess. And that's, you know, and, and the, the concentration of that group, the size is smaller these days because I, I think I took for granted uh, just the, the the gross amount of people I had over that twenty years who, who shared the same sort of values and, um, and and mindset. And then it's just a little bit harder to find them on the outside. It sounds like prison, but um, it, it's you just don't find that 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 concentration of, of human um, as easy. I don't think on the outside, and I think that's what draws us all to you know uh, to some kind of you know 
suffering. I think suffering brings on, you know, a whole bunch of clarity. Um, so, yeah, the, the, I guess the answer to, to that is that what do I do now is that, like, I, I try to and, and find things that I'm not great at and, and push down those routes just, just to see. Like, I, I was used to be big into cycling, big into running. Um, you know, I've done – I did one ultra, um, and that was – I think we come up with that idea when we were in Melbourne once, and someone was like, hey, it'd be really cool to do, um, you know, a marathon, and where everyone's like, you know, fuck that. Let's just – like a marathon, anyone can do that. Let, let's do something. Let's do, like – I think we ended up doing – 57 or like I think 60 something Ks but the idea was to run to the pizza shop that was going to serve pizzas at the end um, and that was on a on a Friday afternoon we knocked off work early um, my nipples bled my fucking chafe I'd never had such bad chafe um, you know and you just we just tended to, to do that sort of stuff where you just try to find and push an envelope a little bit and now like I um, you know, I couldn't run out of sight on a dark night. Um, you know, my old saying was always like running breeds cowardice. You should turn and shoot. Um, so, um, but I, I think endurance events is one of the greatest things in the world. Like, you know, I, I like to, I like to lift now. I like to lift heavy. Um, and, and if I'm going to do any type of endurance, I'll sit on a bike just so my ankles and my knees sort of stay in, into one place. And that's generally why I don't run that far because, I'm worried about the arthritis just blowing up inside all my joints. What's that, mate? Yeah, hissy fits look good when you can't lift your weight. Yeah, I am. Look, I, I, like, I, my, my temper is always going to be one of those things that if I don't succeed in something, I do throw a good fucking uh, a little tantrum. Yeah, that thing <laughs> went 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 viral on on the internet. Like, I was getting pictures sent where people were making memes up and just uh, getting. <laughs> Yeah, it was great. People were sending me theirs as well. Um, I didn't think it was going to be that good. I feel sorry for the poor girl who was lifting in front of me. I, like I, I screamed out like "fuck," and then uh, then I had to apologise. I was like, "Sorry, sorry, my bad." Yep. Um, but I, I know jokes jokes aside on that one, that is just part of the mindset, isn't it? It's the, yeah. the mindset of of wanting to succeed and wanting to do that particular thing that you'd set your mind out to do. Yeah, yeah, it's frustrating. You're like, you know, um, I don't think I've ever been a very good loser. You know, I, I think um, I can remember playing touch football and and losing in a, in a finals game and and just being so off myself. Not the other team, not at all. Like, it's so annoyed at myself for losing that I, I like I went off to the side and just sat down. I was I was pissed. Like, I, I did not sit well with me. Um, and I remember my dad coming over and he's like, Hey, that's, that's not the way to, to, to lose. Like you need to go over and shake everyone's hand. And I was like, I fuck, like, I don't feel like it. And it's not because I don't like that team. It's just because, you know, I've got to start thinking about how this is going to ever happen again. Like, how do I fix this shit? Like I'm not off them. I'm off me. Like, and, and I wouldn't want to be around a loser. That's how I felt at that time. Like that's, mm. that's how pissed I was. Um, and you know, I can, uh, I still don't think I see too much wrong with that. As long as my uh, my communication around that is a little bit better. Like I don't want anyone to feel uh, like I'm pissed at them. You know, I, I want to make sure that I communicate that a lot better. Um, yeah. Silence. Everyone's thinking. That was just the most manly 15 minutes of conversation I've ever been in. 
it, it, it helps when we're wearing flannels. I think a flannel just brings out you're in a man as well, don't you think? Yeah. I mean, you, you were getting shot out on a beach, then your nipples were bleeding, and then you beat up the weak. <laughs> and, th- and then went viral I'm on the go- internet it's like fucking a dream <laughs> all I can think of is how far away the kettlebells I'm needling <laughs> yeah. so my- I'm, I'm interested to hear from, from, from you you guys like, and I, I think especially um, like Marcus and Paul like what do you do now like where's where's your where's your endurance cap like where does it sit what's, what's, what's the next thing that scares you um, you know, like where, where's your head at for, what are you training for and what's like, what does it look like? I think it's uh, as a very good question, mate. I train now for, and I think I have the whole way through for experience and adventure rather than I've never done a race and thought this is advancing human endurance or my endurance it's more a case of i'm going to have an incredible experience here most of the places i try and go to places that are are interesting you know whilst also i've done a fair few marathons and i did 24 hours around a 400 meter track which is not so interesting but i try and go to places that because in those environments because of some of the things that i've said feel like I'm going to have deeper experiences. So well, I was recently in South Africa in a race that I picked purely because the landscape was insane and it's just on the border of Lesotho in, in South Africa, which has a whole great story behind it. And I was like, something's going to happen here that's absolutely incredible. And it did, you know. So that's I, – I don't, I don't feel like I need to pick something that puts me – in a constant state of discomfort. Like, you know, I have some friends that did, and I've read, I read a book recently about guys, you know, pulling a sled to the North pole. And there wasn't much in that book that I thought, wow, he's having a really good time. Like, you know, <laughs> every morning, everything's fucking frozen. And, and some people might think that's a little bit out of character for me, but I'm like, I want to, yes, you'd learn a lot in that, in those scenarios, but, you know, I, I was hit by a truck at 54 Ks an hour and nearly died. Like, I'm okay for hurt, you know? It's not, I think this is the thing that we always associate, like, pain with endurance, with growth. And I don't think, I think you have to simply just not be a fucking pussy about things. But, you know, I think, I, I think at the same time, you don't always have to, like I, I, I've pulled out of a race in summer because it just doesn't, it doesn't mean enough to me. And, you know, it's the world championships of trail running. It's a hundred mile race in Chamonix. And, you know, I've pulled out of it because it, can I do it? Yeah, I can do it. Like, do you want to go today? Yeah, we'll go today if you want, but I'll finish it, you know? So I think this is one of the biggest things about endurance and mindset is, and I feel like we've probably come all the way back around to what we're saying at the start you can learn a shit ton about yourself having five minutes of solitude or as Paul said there, like looking at the sunrise, what you need to make or sunset as well, what you need to make sure, I think to answer your question, Kev, is that is this challenge going to A, sharpen the tools that I've got 
and B, potentially expose me to, to gathering some new tools? And if so, mm. tick, let's go. You know, does it, does it excite me, mate? Because this is what outright pisses me off as well. Like, you know, I, I, a, I speak to a lot of different people. I'm like, what are you excited about? And they just sit there. And I'm like, yeah. what? You know, like, what, what are you excited about? You know, and, and it's actually how I first started coaching endurance because I'd see a load of like triathletes and they fucking hate triathlon. I'm like, why are you doing it? Like, what's going on here? You know, you don't have to love every part of it, but like, what are you really excited about? And what, what you spoke before, Kev, about filling your cup, like what really fills your cup? You know, let's go and do that because you're going to get, you're going to get suffering. You're going to get pain. You're going to get experiences. You're going to get mental strength. You're going to get it all. But I think sometimes society is like, yeah, fuck. If you're not doing like an ultra marathon and it's like minus five and you know, you're women hoffing it, then you no, that's, that's not yeah. the way it always has to be. I don't know, Paul, maybe you've got some other thoughts as well that maybe contradict as well, hopefully. No, I don't think, I mean, it's really weird because I was just thinking while you were talking and actually like a lot of my life is in the writing the plan for the pursuit of other people's goals, like the things they want to do, you know, and, and equally I've got to be interested in their goals. Like I need to not know why I don't, everyone doesn't need to have a why, but it has to be a, a strong enough excitement and a feeling and helping them get to a journey and figuring out not only are they going to get to the end. Like wh- wh- I write it like programming. So I write it like when I worked in architecture and I was building and it was kind of like, okay, cool. I've got this vision of this person. I think they've got this vision of this person. They, they align. What do we need to put into place to make that happen? And so I spend a lot of time focusing on other people's goals where I think for me on a personal level, I don't think I have the same physical ambition. What I like to be is capable enough that I can seek the opportunities to do things that will cha- challenge and change me. So if I want to do the mountain, if I want to do the long run, if I want to do a long row, if I want to go to another country, if I want to partake in these type of life-changing experiences, I'm capable enough to do that. And that's where fitness, that's where fitness and what we do for me as coach, as a coach, that's for, for me, that's what kind of I pursue personally is I want to be able to go that little bit further and see the view. I want to go that little bit higher and, you know, experience the mountain a little bit better. Like I want to be able to do those things, but I don't have, you know, I don't have this kind of one pursuit other than, you know, me having that experience for myself whilst being able to enable others to reach their ambitions and their goals. And that's where I'm very focused. It's funny because one of the first times that I kind of firsthand, like kind of literally in front of my face, experienced something that I thought that's a ridiculous undertaking um, from an endurance point of view was actually Paul Warrior doing a marathon row. Um, do you remember when you did the marathon row with the, in the, in the old gym? I do remember. I, yeah. I can't forget the marathon row. Yeah. So that was kind of, one of my first experiences within that that sort of setting of somebody doing something that I just thought, why? Like, what you want? Why are you doing that? And I actually think about it quite a lot. And I think you were just fueled up on knuckle 
um, for most of that. Um, <laughs> do you know what? Do you know? Do you know what? It was kind of stupid. It's kind of there was no deep and meaningful conversation. That I was did, did, done it at the CrossFit Games. I was sat around the table and everyone went, "That's stupid. No one can do that." or Whatever. And I was like, "Well, I can do it." They were like, "What? No, you can't." I was like, "Right, I'll come in at the gym at eight o'clock in the morning. And I'll set a row up, or everyone's welcome." And at eight o'clock in the morning or whatever time of day it was, I set the roar up. One person came in and said, actually, I'm just going to watch. And I was the only person who set the roar up. Yeah, I was just thinking that. I remember you were the only one on the roar. I, I was the only one on the roar and I did a marathon roar. Yeah. And that was it. So I had no you, preparation. When, I'm not particularly great on a rower. But you can just suck it up, you know? You could just, just get on you, it and suck it were you excited, Paul, that day to, like, there must have been dopamine, like, exploding everywhere to a certain you know point, obviously, but you must have had some excitement. Oh, absolutely. It's like, but for yeah. me, it's, I kind of go into it with a childish naivety. I'm like, ah, this is stupid. <laughs> Let's do it anyway. And I kind of like that, you know, I like that kind of biting yeah. up more than you can chew. And actually, like, I make it out like I'm upset that other people didn't turn up. No, I'm really stoked that other people didn't turn up <laughs> because, you know, the ones who said they would and then didn't because they thought I wasn't going to have to live with that. You know, they have to live with the fact that they didn't show up and the coach who was the least fittest out of the bunch of them actually showed up, sat on the roar and did it anyway. And, you know, for me, you know, as a coach, as a, a whatever we call ourselves, um, you know, there was a lot in that, you know? And then there was no getting off it. That was the only rule I'd set myself was I couldn't, I couldn't stop. It was the only rule I set myself was you can't stop, you can't take a break, you can't go to the toilet, you can't do anything, you've just got to do the row. Um, you know, and like that was the only, rule I set, uh, the only rule I set myself. And yeah, there was no prep. I literally decided to do it 12 hours before and just, just okay. said, right, okay, shut up. Yeah. I think halfway through it, I, halfway through it, I screamed at someone to go get me a knock <laughs> which I drank while still rowing. <laughs> but um, yeah, that that was kind of cool. I mean, one of the workouts we did before that that was quite fun. It'll have been before you were there, Sean. Was we did I did a half half marathon row into straight into Clovis, which is the ten mile run, hundred and fifty burpee pull ups. Yeah. Um. And that, and that was again. That was just that was just kind of that childish naivety of like, how do we make this thing worse? Mm. But I think that the, the reason <laughs> the reason why I raised the, the, that marathon role was something that you said when you were talking about kind of what your goals are, and it's just that ability to be able to do that on a whim if you decide to do so. Yeah, yeah. If, if if I ever get to something and I turn around, I ever go to another country and someone says, "Do you want to do this thing?" and I'm like, "I would really love to." but I can't because I'm not physically capable, then I probably need to go and reassess where I'm at in my fitness. Yeah. Yeah. Because I don't want to be 100%. in that. I, I, and it's a conversation. We went to Salt Lake City a few years ago and we went to the Canyon and it was amazing. And I remember, and it, it's really harsh, but it's this really visual representation of, okay, there was a beautiful vista. There was a beautiful view. Everyone was at this view, right? And then, there was a lot of people and there was mixed physiques, let's say. Some were rather large and some were rather small. And then, you know, the large people typically turned around and went straight to the restaurant. And then you went to the next vista, which was a bit of a walk. It was 15 minutes and everyone was a bit smaller. And then you go to the next vista and there's fewer <laughs> people and everyone's a little bit smaller. 
And then it turned to this point where me and the person I was with, we were an hour into the walk into the wilderness seeing the views no one was and there wasn't another person to be seen. And I was like, to me, that's the perfect visual representation of what it was about for me is I didn't just get the photograph at the start. I got to experience the depth of the valley and and that was life-changing and life-changing experience, something that will stick with me forever. It was beautiful. And I'd hate to be the person who would have been, I'd love to have done that, but I couldn't. That's, that's why I get o'clock in the morning. Yeah. I don't have any grand athletic aspiration. I want to do this event or that event. It's the ability to just say, if someone says, do you fancy doing this? Yeah, fuck it, I'm, I'm in. Let's go and do that and have that experience. Especially, you know, I, you are aware of your age as you get older and you see the people around you and there's aches and pains do creep in a little bit. But actually, if I keep active... It helps the mindset to say, I can still do this. I can still get up and do the bits and pieces that I want to do. And that's, I think, you know, life is the biggest endurance event you can have, isn't it, really? And the aim is a bit like this backyard races, to keep doing laps around the sun until until you can't. <laughs> and then you're trying to get you're trying to get to the record, aren't you? You're trying to get to the 90th lap, the hundredth lap, whatever, but you still want to be walking around on that lap and not sat having the world go around you. Yeah. Yeah. I think one, one thing that, uh, Paul, you said there as well, which I think for a lot of people is, is super, is super applicable. Everyone asks us why we want to do things and expect that. And I think we're quite bad as, as coaches, as a group, to you know we'll, the first question is we'll ask why and a lot of people won't have a, a why at the start but they'll definitely have a why at some point but if it if it's a bit of crack like if we look at, at, at the rowing you know you could say you had a why but it's just a little bit of a crack for you and you're there and you're in it and you know and it probably helps you to cement a why for something in future so yeah. I, I know like with myself and with some of the coaches that work with me, like, you know, we're always trying to dig into a client's why. And sometimes I think we just have to let it roll and we just have to make sure, like you were saying as well, Paul, you're almost a, you're an architect of a program for someone's life to improve. And if at minimum we can produce a program that gets them really flipping excited, because we get people that could be you know we've all come from a load of different shit but you've got someone and they've entrusted you to write something for them you're gonna write something that gets them excited and in one week one month one year or even five years it might unlock their real why so i i think for a lot of people the why comes first but i think for a lot of people the excitement would needs to be there we need to try and help people to spark a bit of excitement and that will lead them to their you find you find further down that the door the, the doors that weren't there at the start start to present themselves because you can start to envision things that weren't possible in your even like beyond just getting in the gym you know something seemed for way and actually people find that they enjoy different elements of the gym or different opportunities arise and like actually i want to do ultras or actually i want to do powerlifting <laughs> you know the different doors open up for them or you know their lives completely change and and but being stagnant and sitting still, the doors are limited. The experience is limited. And there is one door, but it looks kind of grim. Um, so I think, you know, I think, 
advancing people so they become more capable the more capable they become the more doors that present themselves and the more opportunities that will and the bigger and broader life experience they'll get yeah because until you go down a path you don't know what you're capable of and what you're capable of changes the further down the path you go yep I'll give you an example from yesterday something that you you program for which was the um the saturday ring work before the sort of main workout which was skin the cat you know yep. kind of hanging going going round, bringing yourself back round. i've never tried that in my life before i managed it yesterday amazing and it was pretty straightforward and didn't find it difficult there's yeah. no way a year ago i'd have been able to do that yeah or two years ago and that's the point because ah now i'm capable now i know i'm capable of this thing what's the next thing i can do yeah which is more advanced than that that i wouldn't have even dreamed of doing because i didn't know it existed yeah and sometimes it's like some people ask me about gymnastics work and it's like, well, let's just practice one thing because let's see what this one thing unlocks in the other things. Because they'll find if they can all of a sudden they can do one movement, it's actually, it translates over to loads of other things inside and outside of gymnastics in, in itself as well. It unlocks different opportunities. And, um, and, and, you know, so it's like, it's pretty cool like that. Like do something and see what, see what that, see what that opens up for you. Yeah, but, completely. Just going back to something Marcus said, just in terms of the experience of doing those ultras and doing those sort of long endurance uh, races, because they are races. You enter them, you get a number. Correct me if I'm wrong, Marcus. For you, it's not about the competition or the winning or the what place you've come. Because when you've talked about them, you've always talked about the experience and how it's made you feel and how it's you know, developing you as a person and because you've chosen to do that specifically because you know you'll get that outcome. I haven't heard you talk once about the competition or the race, which is interesting. <laughs> Mate, I'd be absolutely fucking lying through my teeth if I said it wasn't about winning. <laughs> Not <laughs> okay, that I've won enough. any of them, but uh, I fair think, I, 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 you know, it's quite difficult. It's a very good question, Sean. The bigger picture is the winning is always going to be there because that's inherent in human nature, especially in alpha male. You put an alpha male in a pack, he wants to win. That's just the way life is, and I'm never going to deny that. However, that's not the main reason for entering the race. The main reason for entering the race is the experience and the learning and, and, and a few other bits and pieces, but mate, I'm trying to destroy everyone around me and I will use everything except performance enhancing drugs to do so. Fair enough. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to second that. I'm, my goal might be not personal, but I want everyone I work with to win. Then wins might look different. They might be getting to a different yeah. thing, but you know, I use a lot of nicer language these days. I try to be positive, but that's because I think one, it creates a better environment for me personally. I'm not the aggressive, I can be aggressive, but I'm not the aggressive type. However, I also know that language is going to propel people and get them out the slum quicker and, um, and yeah, get them where I need to be. So I might use nicer language and more considered language, but it's freaking deliberate. Mm. And it's deliberate because I want to win. I want them to win. I don't want to be 
I want to work with people at all levels and their victories look different, but shit, I want to be the best at what I do. Yeah. You, you, like that the absolute also, best. I, I've seen it firsthand. That also actually applies to the way in which you go about your own personal performance, not just other people's. Because as you've admitted to me, there's no way you would have done those extra burpees at the end of um, the CrossFit Open workout if you hadn't have just seen me do four less. Yep. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was, I mean, it sounds brutal, but yeah, at that exact moment, I was like, yeah, just, I want to take you down. Yeah. <laughs> I am, I, I don't operate at a high competitive level, which means naturally if I turned up to an arena with the top athletes, I'd just get my butt kicked and probably crushed by a barbell. But um, me for victory looks like very different things. And these gyms, the athletes that I'm working with, how good they're getting, that's it, you know? And I'm starting from the ground up from, from scratch. And yeah, I'm Lance Armstrong in this. Yeah, but it's, relative. Way. it's as we said, it's relative. An endurance yeah. effort is relative. A, a competitive, how, how, you, how far you push yourself to beat somebody else is relative. Like yeah. you say, you're not beating the world champion, you're not beating Matt Fraser, you're just beating me. <laughs> yeah but that's that's the relativity of everything we've been yeah. talking about yeah but it was in good spirit as well i mean it yeah, was, yeah, yeah. You know, it was, it was fun yeah. it was fun yeah and maybe not if i had the one yeah if you asked mark to support what their goals were what are yours currently um more i guess interesting for me now is, is that like i've uh, I got asked a question uh, a few months back, uh, and same sort of thing. I, I just want to, I want to perform optimally in everything that I do. So I went and had a, a look at everything else, from nutrition to my sleep to my work-life balance, all those type of things, and what optimal looks like to me now. Um, because I, I never believed in balance. I, I probably still don't. I don't think balance is. You know, when I when I think about, about balance, if I want to go and do something, then something has to, uh, something else has to to get a bigger chunk of my time if I want to be successful at it. Um, so for a very very long time, like you know, the balance has been you know, work, training, and everything else sort of falls to the to the side as best it can because that's that was where my my whole existence was, and that's what I wanted to do. Um, and now I'm sort of I'm. I'm happy with where everything is but in terms of um you know like i've bashed my body for the last 25 something years um and you know like i'll, I'll uh, for me now it's just about trying to get back and to feel like i did um you know i'm, I'm never going to feel like i did in my, in my mid-30s or early 30s i think that's unfortunately that time's passed um but it's about now, like, you know, what, what's optimal for me now? Like, what's what's the what's my best day look like? You know, and that's, you know, you know, a win for me is not looking at my phone when I first wake up, getting up, grabbing the dog, going for a walk, getting some sunlight in my eyes, um, not touching caffeine for two or three hours, um, you know, walking to, to work, training, having some good food, enjoying the conversations, making sure that I'm learning something that I'm – uh, like I'm actively engaging in my work and enjoying the shit out of it. And, and what I do at night now, which I haven't done, like um, well, I hadn't done for a long time, which is 
asking myself three questions about what, what I enjoy most about today, and I use that as a primer for the next day. So I look I look forward to what's going on every single day. Um, and for me, it's yeah, like a lot of it's to do with like uh, how do I become the best role model for my son um, and the and the people around me. You know, uh, I'm always going to have a competitive edge. I don't think that's ever going to die. I, I enjoyed listening to everyone just then. You know, like I. I'll, I'll fight hard every single time that I train and all those sort of things. And I'll, you know, nine times out of 10 these days, it's like I won't come first, I won't come second or third. It's just because that's, you know, one of those things, unless it's, you know, it involves a heavy barbell and, you know, I can bite someone's ears. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, those sort, of, those sort of days are past. But, for, you know, like I still want to win, you know, and I'll, I'll look for the small win as best I can, you know. Like I'll, uh, I think too, because I'm, I'm surrounded by athletes all the time as well, which is, you know, just a constant reminder of just my fucking decline down this steep age hill. Um, you know, I've got 19, 20-year-olds, 17-year-olds in their absolute prime, you know, guys having their, their first girlfriend and things like that. Um, uh, it, it's it's this beautiful stark contrast between, like, these two, uh, two lives. So for me, it's a bit about trying to get my uh, an optimal day in and then having an optimal week and then having just enjoyment. So I enjoyed, um, you know, what Marcus was saying, as well as like I, I I I really enjoyed my day, um, and I think that's something that I, most people can't say they do, which I'm, I'm like I'm, I'm very happy about. Like I I enjoy the life that I've created for myself, and uh, I, I think I deserve it as well because you know like I've uh, I think I've had enough of those those times where like it's it's been uncomfortable. Um, I enjoy being uncomfortable, but now I just choose it. Uh, as a as a happy place, you know, and and know full well I can go and fucking have a hot shower and a, and a hot chocolate straight after as well. Um, it's, it's, yeah, so for me, it's, 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 it's a lot more about, about balanced and optim, optimal lifestyle. Yeah, it's quite. I think it's quite interesting as well because I guess all three of us are are working with people and we have an amazing privilege and also responsibility to help take people from where they are, which in some scenarios is, is not a great place, either physically or mentally, and to get them to, I think a lot of the time, and, and, and I think Paul, you touched on this, where we believe as a coach they can get to, which is very different from when you sit with someone the first time, and I always say this to, to a lot of my runners, I, I give them paces that I know that they can hit, not what they're hitting now, and they're like, oh, coach is too fast. I'm like, that's where we're going, you know? And so to, to have the privilege of coaching people and then being an athlete, and it's this whole coach versus athlete relationship with yourself that's like, you know, how much effort, because it takes a hell of a lot of effort to, you know, to, to develop in any way. If you want to increase your deadlift to 250 kilos, something's going to give and it's a, I think it's an interesting time, definitely for, for me personally and some of the coaches that I work with and from listening to you guys as well, it's, it's, it's kind of there like it's this hard balance of I invest in my own goals of going out and being uncomfortable and doing events or that energy goes into my athletes and these people that, you know, I, th- I think I'm super grateful for, for, the, for the trust that people put into me to write, write programs, change their life you know, whether it's physical, mental or, or other. And, and, and that puts us in a really interesting and just amazing 
position to be in as as humans i think which i'm as i said i'm excited about and grateful for every day yeah i think as coaches we you sometimes you just have to strip back your ego because i know coaches who want to beat all their clients and their coaches yeah. aren't them them as coaches aren't where their clients are trying to be so it's like okay so basically you're you've made a ceiling for them straight away they're only ever going to be as good as you and you're not that good like you've really created. So there is that thing. I'm really lucky that I get to work with clients in such varied sports from the guy who went to the Olympics and the bobsled to, you know, Catherine who did the, the first ever four peaks row, rowing and walking to every, to the four mountains in the UK. Um, and, uh, people like that. So, you know, their goals, I mean, they feel like, Oh, you've got to walk it as a coach. You've got to have walked it. I'm like, well, she did a world record and a world first ever. No one had ever done it before. How the heck am I meant to have done that first? <laughs> You know, there is, I can't have done that first. It was never done before. And I'm not even a rowing coach. I just had this vision. I could see them doing it. I could see what it did. I ignored the rule books. They ignored the rule books. You know, uh, the rowing community said they were, couldn't, it couldn't be done. They got told they had to do four hours on one hour off. And actually they just went for 18 hour day, 18 hours consistently every day. Um, Ignored the rules. And, but you, you, as a coach, you've got to be able to have a vision that exceeds you. Yeah, you know, it has yeah. to exceed you. It has to be getting them to the top, you know, and and that's something you have to kind of humble yourself to that experience that the people around you are going to if if you're as good as you think you are as a coach, the people around you are going to accelerate past you. Yeah, because and I, had, t- I had the in 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 a race. I did a ultra end of last year in Jordan, five days, two hundred fifty k's through a desert, and the guy who I've coached for three years beat me. And I got a lot of interesting messages and not only, obviously I'm not bitter, not only did he (laughs) beat me, but he took third place, which was a podium spot and I ended up with fourth. Yeah. But it's probably one of the, in, in the moment it was very difficult, very difficult. And, and because in the race, I never, I coached him to be the best that he could be, but in the race, of course, I wanted to win the race. So it's, but when I reflect on it, it's one of the most beautiful things that's ever happened as a coach with an athlete that he was able to beat me, you know? And that's and, the difference and, between an okay coach and a great coach. That's like, that's great. Like you took uh, someone I mean, to the podium and you were driving and a pushing force. And, you know, and I think that's like the coaches who limit their clients are, are devastating to people's progress when that that, unfortunately, you were just too good at coaching. <laughs> <laughs> no, he was a good athlete, mate. I didn't, I didn't give it. There's no secret, you know. I know that. But well, we all like... know there's no. We all know in this room there's no secret. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, but, yeah. no, but that's, that's that's great. You know that that's where you've got. That's what you've got to be. And the better you become, the, the more experience you get, and the more peak clients you get around you, the more you're going to get your ass kicked. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's funny though, isn't it, when people say, you know, oh, you, you, you did this, you did this, like your, your programs are great, or this is awesome. And I'm always, a, like, I always say, like, hey, I, I do like, all of the work. Like, I could write uh, a program that has skipping and push ups, and a dedicated athlete would take that program, do it to the letter, and do well. You know, I could write a program that is, you know, detailed, periodized, focused, and you know, every cycle in there is perfectly written out and that can be given to a, you know, like a 50% dedicated type of athlete. 
and that athlete won't do well. Um, it, it's, you know, I always say like 100% of the accolades goes to the person doing the work. The easy yeah. job is, you know, for me is like reverse engineering the goal, which I think is, yeah. you know, as, as a coach and as, a, you know, someone who programs, I think it's like it's the ultimate game of chess. I, I, I enjoy the shit out of it. Um, oh, and, I, and I don't <laughs> think it matters about, um, you know, about like you say, like just because you haven't rode to the top of a mountain or some sort of bullshit, like it's, yeah, it, it's ridiculous to say that you have to have done it to, to be good at it because, you know, I, I know firsthand, it, like, you know, like I, I've never been shot and I don't need to be shot to know that that shit's not nice. Like, it, it, it's ridiculous in it. Like, it, it, you know, and I'm sure like getting getting hit by a car, Marcus, uh, or a truck isn't great. And I'm not, I, I don't need to go and experience that shit either. Like, um, <laughs> you know, it, it's. It's so funny, like, and I, I, I agree uh, with you, Paul. I think like having a, a client or an athlete beat you at your own game just means that like you coach the shit out of it, and they're a fucking better athlete. Like yeah. that's going to happen every single day of the week, isn't the, it? The one thing, yeah. the one thing I differ from you a little bit with what you said was that it is a hundred percent the athlete, but it's also a hundred percent like it's everyone bringing a hundred percent. That's how I view it. Yeah. Because I used to, I used to, I used to be around a lot of coaches who were like, yeah, well, I take all of the blame and, and, and none of the credit. And I'm like, nah, I take the blame where it's my fault and I take the mm. credit where it's my contribution. And, mm-hmm. you know, and, 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 and I feel a bit like, I don't know. I feel, I feel that's, I, um, it's kind of, it's, it's, I don't know if it's a blame free environment, but it's kind of like everyone's responsible for their own shit in this game. And I see athletes blaming coaches when they screwed up, when they weren't doing the work. And I've seen, you know, and it's got to be, it's got to be everyone bring, everyone bring your hundred percent to the table. And and then we're going to do well. And you're right, those athletes. And sometimes I look down the line as well, where athletes are underperforming and I have to ask, do they just suck? Like, are they just not got the the lifestyle or the, or the, or the, or it, or is it, as I'm looking at like, personality types more is it more like oh i i maybe should have wrote that differently for that person like the the language i should have used or the way i should have come at them because i I can be a bit more malleable like that i can change and be like okay where did i fall short maybe they needed a carrot and not a stick in that instance and just figuring out but that's as you advance as a coach right that's the experiences you've got when you've got a team you'll have certain people you can't you know, the emotions will vary in those athletes and you'll know a little bit how to gauge them. Collectively, you might treat them all in one way, but individually, you probably have uh, nuances that you change with the individual to suit them. And uh, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. What I'm saying is I take some credit. It's, 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 yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. And so you should, and so you should. Oh, look, it's, it's, you know, every single every single game, like yeah, you know, if the team wins, then yeah, you know, you'll get this like, oh, well done, like you know, great job. And if they lose, and someone will be like, oh, geez, they didn't look too strong at the back there, um, <laughs> you know. And you're like, yeah. yeah, it's eighty minutes of football. That's what happens when you sometimes when you you play like shit. That's that's what it is. Um, yeah, and the the feedback is always interesting. You know, like I think the deeper you get into coaching, the deeper you go into the sport, and you know, the, the answer is always like, like sometimes like, I don't know. I don't know what happened. Like, um, they, 
didn't have a good day. Sometimes, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like everything in, in like in physiology says it should all go this way, and then unfortunately we have the human that uh, doesn't always obey mm. the rules of science. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, and I think that's why coaching is so good because it's just it's it's science and an art form and communication, um, and there's not one single day where you think like, yeah, I've nailed this. And I'll never have to learn ever again. I've just now hit the pinnacle of my career. Like I'm, you know, I'm just I'm learning every single day still. Like whether it's yeah. communication, whether it's some form of bit of new science or physiology, or like think about like, like I never thought to adapt that to that. Like, um, and I don't think I'm ever ever going to know it all. Um, which which that excites me in itself. You know, I think there's mm-hmm. you know there's another hundred lifetimes of learning to go. Yeah, absolutely. way to kind of bring it all together because you know it isn't everything we do is, is part of endurance you just said there's a hundred lifetimes of learning to be taken forwards and that's probably where we're at um i think most people that have listened before will know where to find you guys but we'll tag you into to it is there any sort of final thoughts that anybody wants to throw out that's no, good. i'm just going to keep saying it's cold it's cold where i am i don't know how you guys do it um, so um, I will be I will be in the UK uh, later on this year. I think uh, I think we're looking at November. Uh, so I'll um, I'll try and get around and say hello to everyone. Amazing. Well, let us know where you are because I'll happily make a trip. Norway's too far here. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think I'm going to spend a couple of weeks. So I'll definitely come and try and see everyone and say hello and, and do a bit of training and. Um, for sure but yeah I think conversation has been wonderful guys um, really appreciate everyone's time um, and I, it's it's nice to, to to spend some time with you know uh, smart and, and, and gifted individuals I think for me yes. it's been it's a just a really nice way to start a day I mean we're, we're in the UK we've kind of we've, we've been on for a couple of hours now um, I'm going to have a good day because I've experienced this. You just, yeah, just write it on your little thing tonight. Write it tonight, your three things. I've yeah. made a note of everything that Kev does. So I'm going to wake up, don't look at my phone, hook the dog, write the things that made the, write the, things that made the, the day great down at the end. I've got some take-homes from that. If you can see my dog, you probably want to kick it too. It's 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 small, white, and fluffy. It's not a it's not a man dog. I apologise. <laughs> no, same. Really appreciate it. I appreciate you guys uh, putting it together. I think it's 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 super interesting having five people on a chat like this and actually taking it in a direction. And I think uh, it's wow. I didn't actually realise it's been two hours. So thanks a lot, guys. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it's been cool. Thank you. Yeah. I will put you saying us. With some other words in the future. Don't worry, yeah. I'll come up with something else. <laughs> <laughs> Just two words. Maybe one next time, mate. We'll make it a bit shorter. I, look, yeah. I think Sean and I both have said how privileged we are to speak to people who we have seen it and have probably put on a pedestal in the past. And, and still do because of what you guys do. So we're, we're very grateful for the time that you've given up today. <laughs>